You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Corey Munson, coming to you live from Iowa. Joining me, as always, is Aaron Castro in Arizona and Liam Madigan-Fried in Texas. How's it going, guys? How was your weekend? Uh, I mean, it was it was wild. Uh, I, I guess two things I gotta I gotta moan about. Uh, so I guess one of one of them not not gonna moan about. Uh, hey, shout out to one of the originals when it came to MLR podcasting. Um, Sigs Gowan has moved to Phoenix apparently, so we're gonna watch some Six Nations and say what's up. Yeah, good dude. So, um, he's uh just working on life, and I think uh, I'm gonna try and find him a club because he liked he was coaching a lot in Virginia. So, uh, but the moan, the moan, yo, Starfire Stadium, you're gonna host two tests, you can't use blue paint. Um, no. Or uh, for rugby lines, um, uh, you, you, there are two international matches coming to Starfire. Whoever's in charge of the paint, or whoever's in charge of authorizing the color of the paint for the for the lines, uh, it's, it's it's white. And let's just do white because I know you have white washable paint, or I know you can requisition white washable paint. If you're it's gonna somewhere host, in the shed, if you're gonna host a test. You can put white washable paint out, which means the next seven home matches for the Seattle Seawolves, you can put white washable paint out. Just get it done because I I couldn't see a line on, on the broadcast. Is that bad? No, and uh, I'll, I'll definitely back you up on that one. I totally thought that they were just using the – uh, like the flags on the touch lines as well as the soccer lines to kind of try and gauge where they were. It wasn't until, you know, 15 or 20 minutes into the broadcast that I actually realized there were rugby lines. But as, uh, you know, not that anybody asked, my weekend was uh, definitely great. I got to work my first ever uh, Major League Rugby uh, game professionally uh, with uh, team operations, was able to get some footage and edit it up for Fitzy. So that was definitely a cool first for me. And uh, as of today, I officially just moved into my new apartment here in Houston, Texas down off MLK Boulevard. So, yeah, a lot of stuff happening for me this weekend, but uh, I'm absolutely just glad that MLR is finally kicking off. I'll tell you, moving is, is painful. So you found I'm a spot. I hate moving. You, you found a spot. You're in the spot. I, I'm looking for a new spot, and it is painful because you're trying to balance, especially when you're, you know, you have a significant other, girlfriend, or wife like Corey has. Uh, you know, you got to balance their needs against yours, and yours usually don't count. So, yeah. Apartments.com, baby. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if you're in Cedar Rapids, walking down the street and looking for signs in the window. <laughs> oh, you mean you mean the old way? They, do you guys have the internet in Cedar Rapids? No, I'm actually uh, I'm broadcasting via carrier pigeon right now. <laughs> Corey, does, does your computer does your computer still go? No, I replaced the internal hamster drive, and actually things have been a lot smoother now. I've so upgraded a weasel. 
Oh, weasel. I was going to ask, do you have a backup hand generator? <laughs> His wife is behind the computer right now. Just getting you can't see her. <laughs> uh, just, got a, just got like an exercise bike back there and peddling away. Uh, oh. Why do you think we have the lights on right now? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know about you guys, but it is friggin' cold as hell up here. So, so that was funny. So my uncle calls me. He's a Mennonite. Uh, and I'm I'm out there. I'm out running. It was early this morning. And uh, he goes, um, Aaron, I just need to know what size of bed you have. And I'm like, what? He's like, well, well we're in Chicago. We're snowed in. And this shit ain't going to – well, he didn't say that. But this isn't going to melt for like four days. So we pulled out all the denim stocks that we keep to, uh, to make blankets. What size is your bed? Because we're making you a comforter. And I was like, <laughs> sweet. I was like, king size. Yeah, let's just go. Let's, let's. Yeah, so that's what Mennonites do when um, they're snowed in. They make blankets. <laughs> we make soup. That's kind of our go-to. Something warm and hearty. Super stew. I smoke pot. <laughs> 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 oh golly so um i guess we did get away we get, did get out of town for a couple days though that was more of a tease than anything we were down in uh, mccallan texas and uh holy cow it was tough going from uh 70 degrees in the morning to uh, uh five degrees when we flew into cedar rapids so <laughs> that was a little bit of a change but uh, you know what? We're surviving. We'll get through as long as we can get through Wednesday with it being, I think right now they're saying it's supposed to be a high temperature of negative 17 on Wednesday. That's, so as long um, as we can get through that, we'll be fine. That's, that's impressive. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to hit like here in Texas, which is near apocalyptic levels. It, I was, guess. it, was, it was 50 degrees and sunny out. So yeah, it was, it was a nice winter, Arizona. Can't beat that, man. That's why everybody 65 plus from Iowa goes to Arizona during the winter. Yeah. So, so anyway. about rugby or something? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, for those of you guys new to the podcast, we usually do talk about rugby. Uh, each Monday night we get together, we discuss news, rumors, uh, and everything else about Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union. This is our chance to look at the issues here from the league, talk to players, coaches, team members, and all that good stuff, as well as check in with our friends from across the country. So uh, with all that said, uh, Aaron, you're going to fill us in on what we're talking about this week. For the rundown, New Orleans Gold beats Toronto. Uh, Houston wins at Dell Diamond. New York wins as the new kid on the block, and the seawall holds out. And the first game is... New Orleans beats Toronto, thirty-six to thirty-one. Yes, sir. So that was that was the first, very first game of season two. It is here. We are here. We are playing rugby. It is a great time to be alive as a rugby fan in the U.S. Man. So yeah, uh, Nola held out at home uh, against uh, the upstart Arrows. They managed to uh, win by five points, 36 to 31. And uh, not to give too much of a spoiler away for the rest of the recaps, but there was not a blowout this weekend at all. Every single game was tight. So tell us, uh, tell us guys, what did you kind of see at this one? So um, Johnny freaking Moonlight. Oh my gosh. The, the former Canadian sevens captain, Johnny, um, hope you listen someday. Uh, 
one of my favorite people in rugby and one of my favorite players as well. Uh, you know, he scored Toronto's first try of their existence in Major League Rugby, and then his work rate, uh, what he did around the pitch was was pretty ecstatic. Um, as you can tell, he was uh, pretty sure he was named to Major League Rugby's first 15 this week. So, uh, yeah, there it is. Oh, wait, I'm the person that sort of is in that process. Um, so, uh, you know, Dan Moore, uh, he, he didn't make the first 15, but he – he just barely got edged out by Brock Stoller from the Seattle Seawolves. He made his name known. Uh, two tries. Uh, Toronto, extremely dynamic player. I think we're hearing a lot from him. And, uh, you know, it, it, they've got some guys. Uh, but Nola, uh, you know, so Nola lost a bunch of players to other teams. And they had to recruit well to get here. But guess what? Cam Dolan, Kyle Bailey, those dudes are freaks. Uh, uh, Cam Dolan with two try assists, this, uh, this crazy, um, dish shoot that ended up with, I, I wrote it all down. It was, <laughs> sorry, gotta get them notes out, but, um, this was an amazing try. Um, Kyle Bailey surged through, uh, dished it to Con Foley, then it was offloaded to Holden Younger and back to Con Foley for a try. Uh, and it was, it was some beautiful stuff. Um, then let's talk about Tristan Bluett. He's an animal. Uh, what he did on the pitch, he's like, he's got the skills of a back row and the skills of a center in one, and he, he's ridiculous. Uh, scored a try from Nola as well, made the, the first 15 for Major League Rugby this week. And then, um, you know, I think the, the heat got a little bit to Toronto because, you know, they've been practicing mostly indoors because of the weather, and you know, they just uh, New Orleans just held on. Liam, what do you think, man? You're muted. Stop muting yourself. Sorry, I'm I'm look I'm I'm looking at my notes because unlike Aaron, I have my notes up. You know, just ready ready to go. But uh, yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, just in, just uh, I'm noticing in the sidebar that people wanted a uh, a fact check. I guess uh, it was very rainy at Austin. Uh, um, very, very rainy indeed, but luckily I was underneath a roof. Uh, so if people want to know that, yeah, that was a huge freaking factor. But uh, right now we're talking about NOLA. And what I noticed was that NOLA was just playing a much faster game and Toronto was just not getting the shift on their defense uh, like going fast enough in order to Therefore, they were just leaving open a bunch of holes. I thought JP Eloff played really, really well from the back. You could hear him communicating with, the, uh, you know, with his teammates all throughout the game. Uh, overall, I think Nola, they just look like a squad that kept uh, together, you know, there was, def there was definitely some, uh, some interchanging of people, but they kept together a pretty decent amount of the core group of guys, and, they, and that just, you can kind of tell, they look like a bunch of people who have been in the same system now for a year and are playing a lot more comfortably alongside each other. Uh, they also got, you know, like uh, Aaron mentioned as well, they have Cam Dolan and Kyle Bailey playing in the centers. Uh, and they're just playing out of their freaking minds. Plus, you've got Vince Jobo back healthy. As long as he stays healthy, people are going to have to account for him. We definitely cannot... Uh, back row. Um, back row. Yeah. Yeah, back row, back row. But, any, yeah, but anyway, uh, correction, by the way, uh, Dolan and Bailey are, are at the flankers, not the centers. My bad on that. But, yeah, th this is a team that is no longer devoid of playmakers like they were at uh, certain points last year. They're definitely going to be a threat to score some points. Um, they're they're good de they're good defensively. There's definitely some work that needs to be done, particularly with the freaking arm tackles that they're just not bringing people down efficiently. 
But other than that, though, I thought it was a great game from Nolan. I think they're going to ha be having a great season. Well, it's a good way to start out the season for sure, and we're glad oh, to hell see yeah, it buddy. underway. Uh, we followed that one up Saturday night with Houston traveling to Austin, and uh, this was this was a little bit of a grudge match. I think we got uh, we got a little in-state rivalry going. Um, you know, Austin knocked off uh, the SaberCats in preseason, but uh, SaberCats came back. They won twenty-one to twenty, and uh, gotta love that. Gotta love having some, another really really close game. Uh, Liam, tell us what you saw. I know you were actually at the match. Yeah, yes, indeed, I was at the match, and like I said, it was pouring rain, but I luckily had a nice little spot underneath the uh, underneath the roof up the right field line. So you know, I I was not toasty, but I was definitely pretty dry uh, compared to a lot of people there. Um, people watching the ESPN broadcast might have thought that there was nobody at this game, but I can assure you there definitely was. Right, there was definitely well over a thousand people standing underneath the roof uh, in standing room well, while there was just a few people really braving the elements out there in the chairs. So in terms of what I saw in the game, the name of this game was Territory. As I noted in my official match report that you can find on www.houstonsapercats.com, see how fast I said that, that's how you plug websites. Uh, Zinzan, Zinzan Elon Puduk and Zach Pangelinen, they went back and forth all day. They were trying to gain territory and compensation for how the rain kind of inhibited a lot of the uh, big play potential for both sides. Overall, I thought uh, Zach, Zach Pangelinen, sorry, won this round as he was able to find touch at a much greater depth and on, on a much higher average than Puddick. And he kept the elite scoring opportunities really to a minimum throughout the game. Now, even though there was definitely a bunch of uh, there was definitely a bunch of lead changes, uh, you know, but thanks to Sam Windsor's foot and the lack of scoring opportunities for Austin, that's how they were able to pull out the wins. Speaking of Sam Windsor, the dude is a flippin' stud. Here's the difference from 2018, I think, though. I think a lot of uh, girls are going to be flinging, you know, <laughs> they're going to be flinging some favors at him. So, uh, but uh, he's got a, an amazing <laughs> wife who might just beat them all down. <laughs> and she, she's a wonderful lady too. I wouldn't want to mess with her. But like I was saying though, I think the difference between this Sabercat squad and the one from 2018 is that in a lot of those instances in which they allowed Sam to uh, kick for the goalpost, they probably would have tried to go for the try. Um, and so that's going, that's definitely the difference because as we remember, there was a lot of Sabercat games last year that came down to less than, uh, at times less than a conversion or just one score. And so maybe having a couple more points on the board in those situations would have changed different elements of those games. Who knows? It definitely probably, I, I can say for sure, if they had taken more opportunities to kick on Sam Windsor's foot, I think they definitely wouldn't have finished the season at one and seven last year. Now, lastly, the biggest training camp uh, battle for the Houston Sabercats, uh, you know, this, this past summer was at scrum half between Santiago Arada and Connor Murphy. Now we've obviously, we've obviously uh, seen by now how that played out. Uh, Santiago Arada got the start and he played just about uh, the first quarter of the second half before he was pulled in favor of Murphy. Now these two, these two are really uh uh, they do really well paired together. They're kind of like the yin and the yang. You have Santiago Arada, who's able to play more of a fastball, fastball type of game, getting the ball out to playmakers. Um, the Houston Sabercats, they were devoid of Joshua Vithi and Osea Kalinasau yesterday, unfortunately. But luckily, Malachi Esdale absolutely stepped up. Um, so, uh, and, and, and Packet and uh, Pangelin, and especially with the ball in hand. So, Overall, overall, I think Santi brings a great element to this team. Meanwhile, Connor Murphy is a lot more forward-oriented, forward a lot more methodical in how he moves the ball. And I think Fitzy really likes that, especially coming in in the second half when you have those punishing forwards that Connor's just uh, feeding the ball to consistently. 
and he's punishing that defense, making them work, 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 and that's how you get the other team gassed. So it was definitely a great game uh, from the Sabercats. It's not going to be sustain- sustainable if they want to win games on just Sam Windsor's foot. Obviously, they need to find a way to get tries, but yeah, great game. Um, you know, I, I have a contrasting opinion there, but I'll, but I'll get to it. Uh, you know, Santiago Rada, the assassin. Uh, he brings an immediate change to the Sabercats. The scrum half, uh, you know, my opinion is he should have gone 80 minutes. Uh, his service, I thought, is better. His ruck management is better. Uh, but he brings also something else. He can put the kick – He like his, so his kicks, uh, you know, in play, he made 100 meters off of, it, like, off of his kicks that were put in play. Um, so, so he brings some, some other pieces to his game that people don't really notice. Um, and then, you know, when his connection to Windsor, I just think that it, it's like, it's there automatically for some reason. It, it's just been better. Sam Windsor, you know, seven for seven, uh, play of the week. Jeez. Uh, but what did concern me in, you know, Liam, you're saying, you know, just, we always, everyone says, when you have the points, take the points. But the thing that concerned me is that they went for the points every single time. And I want to see not just for to see what their attack can do, but I also just for the, the product of the game, I want to see tries, you know? There's, yeah, but also... But I, I will... There's can, definitely a problem, though, with a win is a win, and the I, Sabercats I, needed to win. And if you want the product on the field to get better, then you need to have... You know, you need to have that win to get the morale up because players hated it when they when they were losing all all last year. And this win was a hard, you know, it was definitely a hard fought one. And the fact that they won it on Sam's uh, foot alone, it ups his leadership level in the locker room where he's already the heart and soul of, of this team practically. So, yeah, no, like, like, don't get me wrong. I see your point. There's validity to the fact that you obviously want to see them you know, like, you know, try to like actually punch a try in. That's what the fans want. But no, take the points when they're there because, because one, it was raining that there was, there was, well, that, that no- was, that was like going to be my point yeah. is like, you, you look at the way this game, I thought it was the worst game of the weekend. And the reason why it was the worst game of the weekend, not really because, not because of the players, but I, I mean, so everything's filmed in HD. When you can see rain in HD, it's it, that means it's really bad, and it, it was it was it was pretty horrible. So really, it's even more to like what Sam Windsor would able like the power that he can kick with to kick through that rain because not all of those kicks were from good angles. And um, for for Austin, I think they their scrummaging settled in about uh, into the second quarter. In the first quarter, they were really getting manhandled, especially uh, Connolly on Simone Kokul. But it, it, it got a little bit more of an even matchup. But, you know, they, you know, when it, when it comes to this, no one knows what they're going to do when they get hit in the mouth. And you sort of saw that throughout the, the weekend is the team that was down early. Um, they, they picked it up, and that's what led to a lot of this being close. But the, one of the other things for Austin was, yes, they went for tries, but to focus at the scrum half position – um, being just upgraded across the league, really, whether it's with backups or starters. Uh, Michael Romera was brought in last year at the end of the year, uh, you know, when they, when Austin had, a, you know, injuries to both Nude O'Donnell and because uh, they had to bring in Marcus Walsh uh, and I forget their other scrum half's name. 
wow, that's pretty bad of me. Um, but like he's an upgrade over what their other options were that stayed um, in the Austin area for the team, and that was a big thing. But um, overall, uh, I think it's I would say this thing. I would say this isn't as bad of a rivalry as uh, Glendale or Seattle may end up being because that, uh, man, the, they got into it up there. Oh Yeah, yeah that's, that was the fourth game of the week, and we'll go ahead and hit on that one last. But uh, before we get to that one, we got to talk about uh, Rugby United New York getting out on the road. So like the Arrow, they're our second expansion team of the season, and uh, they got their start in sunny San Diego facing off against the Legion. Um, this one, similarly to the uh, uh, Houston-Austin game, it was close. Uh, this came down to the last uh, last minute or so. There was actually a, a few lead changes in the last 10 minutes of the game. So uh, Rooney came out victorious on the road, winning 25-23. Aaron, I know you've got some thoughts on this one. Tell us what you're thinking. So this is, I would say this is the one where I'm the most frustrated about. But there were two, this and uh, the Seattle game, I was really frustrated with the officiating. Um, Paul Corbier was the center ref. I mean, he can take my criticism or he can just, you know, I'm just a pundit watching games. And I'm just like everyone else. I, I have, you know, you know, I watch what I watch and so I saw. But it seemed to me that every marginal call went to whoever was, uh, you know, behind. And it wasn't. And those should go, for me, when it's a marginal call, should go to who is leading. Or it should just be a no call. Um, it seemed, you know, when New York was down, the marginal call went to them. When SD was down, the marginal call went to them. And that led to, you know, this penalty try uh, where the, the penalty before that was the questionable call from him. The penalty try, like that, the call was, the call was clear. I mean, that was a, you know... He had his hand out. I guess the way to try and get away with these things is if you're going out there to try and intercept uh, instead of being called for a deliberate knock-on, you can't let the ball go down. You have to, like, swat it up, you know, for, for all those that are trying to get. And, of course, there was not another defender in the area that took his cues to make it look like it wasn't deliberate. Um, up front, let's talk about scrummaging. Uh, San Diego scrummaging has gotten a lot better and it can become Nathan Sylvia, a guy who I wasn't high on last year when they brought him in mid season at San Diego. Well, he outscrummed Patty Ryan, which is wild to me, but it happened. Uh, Joe Peterson, he's real. You can see why they let tag leader and Ben seem to walk. Uh, he 18 points, uh, for Peterson with conversions, penalties, and a try. Uh, he, he can slice, he can dice, he can do whatever you need him to do. He's also their captain, says a lot. Uh, Kenny Nazakek is number eight or number six, but he was forced to play in the engine room, so Locke continues to show that it is the thinnest position in the league. Uh, Luke Hume, my man, the robo leg. The age was one day. Well, he's actually, I thought he was old, and then I, I think he's only 31. Which is crazy because he's been around. The but this years. is ath this is athlete time though. It's kind of like the, dog years, you know. It's you got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he he he's got in his leg. He's got a ton of hardware. 
And that, you know, he showed that he's still dynamic at club level. I don't think he's, you know, really got it in the tank for the Eagles level necessarily, but he can definitely get it done. Two try assists, made the first 15 at fullback. He's, he can just be an annoying fullback, which is kind of what fullbacks are supposed to do. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. Um, so in regards to this game, the first thing that I noticed was the difference in how each team actually ran with the ball in hand. Uh, more often than not, I felt like the San Diego players were losing potential meters on every possession by moving laterally as opposed to forward. Uh, they were looking for a hole that was continuously getting stuffed up by Rooney players. Meanwhile, in New York, I felt like they were they were very committed to running north south, and that absolutely showed when you look at their average meters per pass, while definitely being greater than that of San Diego's. I felt like every time one of them touched the ball, they were actually gaining ground, whereas San Diego, more often than not, they were just kind of doing that side-to-side -side thing. Now, even if they were retaining possession, they weren't exactly going anywhere, and, and therefore they were just kind of tiring themselves out. Now, like Aaron said, I think Luke Hume still got it, even though – yeah, he's 31. But I loved his work from the 15, especially in being uh, – he was really wise, I thought, in his decision-making when, when uh, kicking in terms of whether he wanted to go for touch or whether he wanted to sharpshoot the gap in the back. Um, that definitely worked out. Connor Wallace-Sims, definitely a player that I love to watch. Especially First 15 at yeah. 11. <laughs> First 15 at 11. But, yeah, Connor, Connor Wallace-Sims, his ability to eat up the outside – was just phenomenal to watch, and he was just constantly a threat. And I thought that San Diego was constantly spreading their uh, – they were spreading their defense out wide just to prevent Rooney from going out wide, and therefore that was just opening up stuff in the middle, and Rooney was just eating that stuff up. Uh, San Diego definitely had some bright spots, though. Uh, ben Sima looked like he was working out. Uh, he was efficient, especially with some of his, uh, some of his footwork, trying to find uh, some room, particularly in the second half when San Diego, San Diego actually – started to come to life a little bit and put some points on the board. Uh, Boyer at scrum half. H how tall is he, Aaron? I want to say like six foot two. Six three. So yeah, six three. That's huge for a freaking scrum half. Uh, and Kroll, uh, six four from Linden State College, now NVU. Uh, I played with him, the tallest scrum half I've ever personally met, but that's just because we were D3, D4 and didn't it's, know how to properly it's, it's position a very, people. It's a very uh... – <laughs> It's the reason why you see Ruben de Haas making. I mean, other than Ruben de Haas really being dirty, um, mm -hmm. but the reason why you see both both him and Nick Boyer is it's very juiced Van der Westhuizen um, in the mold of the, the great South African scrum half and what. Like South Africa, other than Fafta Clark right now, has like a history of just big physical nines and now and a lot of those nines also have different skill sets some choose some are looking to run and some are looking to kick and but you see the way gary gold is selecting these teams i mean nick boyer plays to that i mean he's a, he's basically uh, a seven in playing scrum half with his skills so yeah, well, it, it almost reminds me of a running quarterback like Lamar Jackson or something like that, where you ha where you can't just you know count on the scrum half just passing it out of the ruck and being you know weak at the breakdown. It, uh, you know, he proved that by getting a try for San Diego. I believe it was the first try of the match for San Diego. Uh, you know, they he made them bite by faking it to the outside before he actually took the opportunity uh, to to go right up the a gap. It was great to watch, and it, it's really cool to see a scrum half with a much more physical element. 
Uh, what, what are you fact checking me? That, oh yeah, whether or not he, whether uh, yeah. or not he got the freaking first try. Uh, the first try for San Diego at thirty-seven ten. Nick Boyer, right there. Darn, darn Skippy. But yeah, <laughs> he 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 brings a lot more. He brings a much more dare I say offensive element to the scrum half position. Even though that's you know that position is all offense. But yeah, I love him being a lot more of a threat, and I think that's going to make a big difference for San Diego, especially in tight games. All right. Um, the final yeah. one. Yeah, last one of the weekend. Four games, four outstanding matches, and uh, the last best for last. Uh, the CBS game of the week was the rematch of the Seawolves versus the Raptors. Uh, and similarly to the championship last year, the Seawolves came out on top, winning 20-18. to 18. Um, You know, the one thing that stuck out to me, and I'll let you guys get deep into analysis of play, but dang, once again, Starfire was freaking lit. See, uh, Seattle has some of the best fans in this competition, and I don't think there's anybody that can argue with that right now. Uh, so I think that really helps helps with their home games, really propel them to victory on a regular basis, and that a Sunday night was no different. Uh, Liam, start us off. What do you think? Well, I agree with you. You can't really match the intensity of the Seattle Seawolf fans. Uh, at this point, I've gotten past the whole booing the kicker thing. I think it's their identity. It's, you know, it's American rugby. There's obviously going to be different things. Even at Dell Diamond uh, versus the Houston Sabercats uh, during Sam's game-winning kick, they were booing the crap out of them. It, it, it's whatever. People are getting into it. That hey, means they're liking hey, it. People are saying, you know, hey, respect the kicker. Guess what? Respect. No. Res respect. What, is, what does respect mean? There are different ways to show respect. They're the, booing they're, him. They're respecting the fact that he can probably make it if they yeah, don't so, boo so him. They're, so, so. They're, so people are like, we're going to boo the kicker because <laughs> this is what we do. But if we don't – they think if we don't throw a wrench in his gears, you know, he's just going to make it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, some and, you know, some people say, well, silence is, uh, is actually – a bigger, you know, a bigger issue if you're going in there and it's, you know, stone silent. But, um, I mean, what does respect mean in in this in this case? Uh, they know that these guys can kick, and they're just gonna boo because they want to get in their head, and that's just American sport. Respect is just defined by the old old Englishman that's on the sidelines of at every rugby game through Division One through Division Four. Oh, they're not showing any respect. It, it's a made welcome up. To the, welcome to America, man. <laughs> this is a made up argument that people just needed something to argue about. It, it's exactly like the water breaks, and we can get into that if you guys want. But it doesn't matter. Hey, water breaks. Water breaks are legal. It's in the law book. Go. <laughs> and, and there's probably nothing in the law book about booing the kicker, is there? Uh, no. No. So there you go. It's a non-issue, guys. Yeah. But anyway, on uh, on to the actual game. Uh, you could tell this is a really good rugby game because there was points where I was rooting for both teams. Like I, you know, obviously working for the SaberCats, you know, I have my team who I'm rooting for, and the Free Jacks aren't exactly in the league yet. So this was kind of a neutral game for me, but I, I was just loving what I was seeing. I thought it was really, really competitive. Uh, we saw a lot uh, of what we saw from Glendale in the preseason, which was uh, a lot of their individual guys were winning one-on-one -on -one matchups in the open field because they're just so physical and they're so hard to bring down. Uh, one player to spotlight, um, just because his journey has been really interesting, Mika Kruse, 
there was times where he was definitely a lot more stable and a lot more aware of what was going on than he was last season. But then again, especially at the end of the game where he committed, you know, essentially the, the game losing knock on, you could just tell he was still learning in a lot of ways. The kid's still only 20 years old. He has all the physical gifts that you could ever want from a rugby player, but you know, put, putting the, putting the ball into your lead shoulder, going into contact, that's a total rookie move, and it's one that he made last night that may have cost his team a, a shot at the comeback. Uh, he was pulled for uh, he was pulled for a substitute not long after that happened, and uh, we you know as as we know, I think Coach Williams is a pretty pretty harsh critic when you make a mistake like that. He's uh, the, he's <laughs> probably the most intense coach in Major League Rugby. Yeah, I've, I, I've sat down with him like multiple times, and it's just it's you can. You can absorb his intensity by osmosis. Yeah, there's. I've had one conversation with him in my my career my career so far. He was definitely really nice, but he was talking about as fast as I was just a few minutes ago, and you, you could tell at that point he was relaxed. You know, version of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but anyway, um, definitely to highlight Seattle's defense, they could just not be outworked. I thought. Uh, Glendale, whenever they were playing fastball, that's when they were in their groove and they were exposing some of Seattle's flaws. However, eventually the sea, the sea, the sea wall was just finding ways to slow them down. And whenever Glendale slowed down, that's when they made their mistakes. This team has had a problem with discipline since last season. And I'm not just talking about starting fights, even though mm, I think there was a few of those. But I'm just talking about knock-ons and not rolling away, not not releasing uh, you know, coming in from the side, it's penalties like that that can be corrected as long as you're staying aware that Glendale was just shooting themselves in the foot with, and we absolutely saw that uh, d- during the game. Uh, overall, great, great show from the man with the with the greatest hair uh, in the game, Vili Tolatahu. Uh, I loved his work on defense. He put on he put on some punishing hits. Uh, well, uh, Vili's. Uh, I guess you could say arch rival in terms of the hairdo game, Connor Cookie Cook. Uh, he was definitely very physical in the defensive game, especially uh, in staying an option for his scrum half, uh, especially in the trenches. Uh, Matt Turner uh, was great last season. He was a little off in this one, committing one or two mistakes that cost his team uh, some position. Hopefully, dude, he gets dude over was those. trying to do. My man was trying to get himself killed, making clear outs. Like, <laughs> like Matt is not a big man, and he was he was putting his body in places where it don't go. He's a scrappy mofo, <laughs> ain't, ain't, ain't he? But uh, and then obviously I got to mention just once. Hanko Hammerscheiss was uh, was a ball of fire, both in play and after the whistle. But uh, I'm gonna let Aaron talk about that because I know you, I know you like to talk about controversial. <sighs> individual Jacobus. So, um, <laughs> so let's, let's talk about officiating again. Um, Pally DeLuca, you better listen to me on this one. Um, so playing advantage scrum penalty, Hanko comes up with the ball. Uh, you know, the, the, the penalty went to Seattle. It was going to be their kick. Hanko's not really sure what's going on because all he knows is the whistle was blown. He sees that he has the ball, so he's thinking, you know, they won the they they won the penalty uh, on the scrum for you know dominant scrum, and no, it's a penalty for a penalty conceded, and Seattle's going to take kick in and then take the lead. What happens? What happens? 
Well, uh, George Barton from 50 meters away just flies in and just starts clapping right in Hanko's face. So cynical, my opinion. Either that's that's a probably a yellow because that that just needs to be stamped out for the for the rest of the season. He needs to be made. That's an example time, right? Uh, and the minimum is just a, a penalty reversal, and that was just very frustrating to watch there. Um, but that's that's not the reason why that kick, like Brock Staller hitting that kick, isn't the reason why Glendale lost. We can talk about that too. Um, so I love the way Glendale played. Last year, I thought they played very rigid uh, out of their 1-3-3-1 attack, and you saw in the preseason that they've shifted. They play out of a very wide open, very fast 1-3-2-2. Uh, the tempo, it's, it's you know, what they're doing is being very creative. Uh, Will McGee is being asked to put the ball down on chip kicks. I think, oh, man, I, have, I think he kicked the ball like 15 times. It was a lot. I really love what they were doing. But let's talk about what Glendale lost this game. Because if they didn't have these handling errors with the tempo that they were playing, it's, it's, it's a win. And it's mm -hmm. probably a win by 10 points because they were getting it done on defense. And it was just, it was just going. Like they were playing fast and the Seawolves really weren't able to keep up. I have to disagree with my work colleagues, Pete Steinberg and Dan Power over at MLR Kickoff in that if you looked at this, if you looked at the stat sheet, uh, which I had a chance to look at, it was close. Like if you like you look at it, it's it, they're almost identical slot for slot. Uh, Glendale ended up with a, about 150 more meters gained, uh, five less tackles made than Seattle. Seattle conceded. Uh, nine penalties, Glendale conceded six. Uh, the, the thing that Seattle had is they won 100% of their scrubs, but guess what? They didn't win 100% of their lineouts. Uh, Glendale had a better lineout percentage, and they stole three lineouts versus one stolen from Seattle. So this is how close this game was. Uh, let's talk about Brock Stahl. Um, A, I know you got fined. So, so here's a great story uh, if, if anyone is missing this out. So Matt, I was talking to Matt Turner. It was last year at the at the playoffs, and he had like highlights in his hair, like the tip of his of his hair. And we're asking him, "What's up with that?" I mean, are you just being funny? So, if you're late, apparently, <laughs> if you're late, or there's there's a variety of things that uh, happen. Well, if you're if you get fined in SeaWolves camp, you have to put highlights in your hair. And if you looked at Brock Stoller's hair. He definitely got fined because that is not his hair. So, my man, I love you, but show up to work on time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Brock Stoller, let's let's talk about him. Is the third leading point scorer with 15 uh, again uh, for Major League Rugby. He did something beautiful. He put the ball down with his foot, and he chased that thing. He chased that chip, picked it up and scored a try. It was probably one of the most beautiful things you could ever see just, and Glendale obviously wasn't in position to recover and stop him. So uh, he did what he needed to do. Um, ben Sima, uh, upgrade at fly half. Um, Seattle didn't have a healthy fly half last year. Uh, I don't think Will Holder is really, is really a fly half. I think he's more of a center. He's got you that, you know, that physical inside center holder, body that will just crash through things, but his distribution isn't really there. 
uh, for a fly half and his kicking isn't there. But Ben Sima, <laughs> I guess Richie Walker told him earlier in the week, is like, dude, keys are yours. And I think we will see Ben Sima develop uh, this year with the Seawolves because uh, he had fine a the coaching to to make him progress. Not that you know life gorge wasn't good. It got him like to test level. Uh, it obtained him at test level, but now we're in a different place than when he was first capped. So, um, yeah, Glendale. I love the fast tempo. I love the hold on the ball. Uh, there were like seven or eight knock-ons and 20 handling errors or something like that. It was it was a lot, which is why uh, they were – like Seattle was able to do what they did with their defense. Uh, when you hold on to the ball and you play good defense, you win things. Um, but as far as the hot, the other guy to talk about, we talked – Liam mentioned Hankel Hamishais. Uh, there's been some criticism. I looked at the stat sheet. And this is, this is Hanko's stats. 80 minutes, 14 carries, 152 meters, line break, four broken tackles, 17 tackles. So if you all the calculations for work rate, he led the, led the Raptors. Like this is, I mean, I asked at the end of last season that he needed to go overseas because that's where he was going to develop the fastest and more because – where he has to fight for that position. And he's in a position where he's training hard, but he's the guy, you know? Um, so that's my take for this week, and we're going to get into match previews. But, Corey, tell us how bad we did. <laughs> well, um, so we always like to, during the regular season, go back and kind of look at our match predictions from the previous week. And uh, at the end of the End of the season, then we'll kind of crown one of us the uh, the grand loser of the whole thing. So we don't care about winners. We only care about losers at this place. Damn, Skippy. So, um, Liam, I think I'm going to let you guess on your first one here. But uh, we had uh, Toronto at NOLA. The final was NOLA winning by 36-31. Aaron, you said Toronto by three. I said NOLA by seven. And, Liam, what would you have on that one? Um. I honestly can't even remember, although I, I do believe that I picked uh, Toronto to win the game. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So I'll go ahead and take that one. Uh, I, I get at least one. Uh, Houston at Austin. We had Houston winning 21-20. to uh, Liam, what would you put down on that one? I, I, I believe that I put down Houston by three. Uh, they won by one, so I was only two off. I believed in my guys down here in Houston, and I'm glad I did. Yeah. Aaron and I went with Austin on this one. He said by uh, winning by four. I said winning by 14. So we were both off there. Uh, Rooney at San Diego. Final was Rooney 25 to 23. I said San Diego by seven. Uh, Aaron had San Diego by three. Liam, who would you have winning that one? Uh, I had Rooney winning this one by 12, um, and that obviously did not come to fruition. But you still get a win. Hey, take it. Damn Skippy. And then final game of the weekend, Glendale at Seattle. Uh, we had Seattle 8-20 to 18 over Glendale. Aaron, you said Seattle by three. I said Glendale by three. And uh, Liam, you had Glend or Seattle by seven. So looks like uh, Aaron and Liam had that one down pat. So good work, guys. Mm -hmm. Three and one, baby. Yeah. One and three. Bottom of the table. 
So let's go ahead and move on to this week. Uh, we are starting off the weekend with Utah at Austin. And this will be the first game that's going to be on Facebook Watch instead of ESPN or CBS. That will be Friday no, night. Houston, uh, Houston's game was broadcast on Facebook Watch. Oh, it was? Yes, indeed it I was. I, I, I actually uh, edited the footage that came from it today. Yeah, because it was an Austin home game. I mean, so all Austin home games, except the CBS games, are on Facebook Watch. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. And then later I, uh... available on Vimeo. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so the second game of the week, or second game of the season on Facebook Watch. So that's some solid fact-checking there. Thank you, guys. Will be Friday night, uh, Utah at Austin. And I'm going to go ahead and put down... Um, that I'm going to go with Utah on this one, uh, on the road. No, I think Austin will beat Utah. All right, I got to make my notes easier to read here. Jesus. Yeah. I think I, Austin's going to win at home. <laughs> and they're going to win by three. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Austin's going to win this one. Yeah. Uh, for, so uh, for uh, for uh, this one, I'm going to go with Utah minus five. I think Utah is uh, – they're, they're, they've added some players who can play a little bit more fast. Also, i got to believe in my uh, my guy, Ian Luciano. I'm going to say, like I said, Utah minus five. So uh, Austin's attack was pretty evident. We know what they want to do from what they did in the rain. Like playing that expansive of a game in the rain says a lot. Uh, they're going to use their tactical kicking game to set up mall opportunities from the lineout. Uh you know, it's really hard to tell because Utah's really only preseason action was against Life West in a closed scrimmage. So, but Life West just ran over San Francisco Golden Gate 45 to 18, which is a pretty similar score Seattle put on Golden Gate. Funny. So maybe this is going to be closer than I'm thinking. Um, but I my my pick is uh, Austin minus five for the weekend. Second game of the weekend, we got uh, Glendale traveling to New Orleans, and that one is going to be on Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. Aaron, who do you like? Uh, you know, Glendale's going to look to bounce back from their loss against the Seawolves. They're going to continue to play wide open. However, they're going to face a very potent attack from the New Orleans gold that will test their defense, unlike what the Seawolves were doing. Uh, you know, I I've got – I've got Nolan minus two in this. They're going to go two and zero at home to start this thing, and also the heat is going to be different for Nell's got because they just went to sea level and played in in the cool stuff. But uh, they're going down to the Bayou and they're they're training in the snow right now at Glendale, so it's going to be like 60, 70, and a little humid. So, Liam, no, how about no. you? Well, uh, so I just. Cannot see Glendale going 0-2 on the season, uh, even though I feel like I might eat my words, especially uh, after Nola put in that performance uh, this week against Toronto. However, I'm just going to go with my gut on this. I'm going to say uh, Glendale by 7. However, if Nola can find a way to uh, force Glendale into playing some slow ball and forcing those mistakes uh, just like Seattle did, then yeah, this game can definitely go another way. But for now, I'm saying Glendale. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you on that one. I'd love it if uh, uh, Gold, like you say, found a way to win this one. But I just I don't see it happening. I think it's going to be Glendale. I'm going to go Glendale by 10. Ooh. Oof, oof. Big double, number. Double digits. <laughs> Big number. Okay, the last game of the weekend. 
uh, last MLR game of the weekend anyway, is going to be uh, Seattle at San Diego, traveling down the coast. Mm-hmm. Liam, who do you like on this one? I think Seattle wins uh, just because I think they're going to be able to expose the same kind of weaknesses on uh, San Diego's defense that Rooney was able to. They're going to beat them to the outside with all the playmakers that they have, including Peter Tiberio, Matt Turner, I think is going to have a great bounce back. Uh, yeah, so look for Seattle to win this minus five. I'm going to go with this being a real easy win for Seattle. I think they're looking good. I like what they put on the field this weekend. So I'm going to go ahead and say Seattle by 14. So the last time Glendale and Seattle faced off, it was a bit of a, it was pretty chippy, right? And in the championship, and then it was chippy again this weekend. Uh, well, the last time these two faced off, which was in the playoffs in Glendale, it was pretty chippy. It was competitive. Uh, look, you're you're going to see San Diego take another step uh, forward. They're scrummaging, uh, settled in this weekend, and you you know you're going to want to see them improve at home. Also, the heat and the sun can be a factor for uh, for Seattle. But look for Seattle's defense to shine and eke this one out minus three. But this could be this could be a try fest. I'm thinking. I'm not thinking this is going to be two grudge match defenses. I'm thinking it's they're going to score. Okay, look for some fast-paced rugby on the field, potentially. Then we can't, uh, of course, we can't talk about action coming into the weekend without hitting on the ARC starting up. Uh, we've got USA at Chile, um, and I didn't take the time to write down what day this was. So it's on Saturday. It's on Saturday, and I believe it's on um, Flow Rugby, correct? Um, black box. It's on Black Box. So go ahead and talk <laughs> us through it, Aaron, what we got to look forward um, to. You know, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see the, the kind of side that comes in. Yes, it's on Flow Rugby. Uh, I think Gary is going to name in the first two matches for against Chile and Argentina 15, the best 15 we have available, because then most European pros will go back to their clubs uh, so that they can play during the Six Nations uh, for those fixtures. Um, look for uh, a comfortable win from the United States, even if it's not the strongest side. I'm going USA minus 30 because guess what? Chile's on their fourth coach in four years. They've had a lot of turmoil, uh, you know, just funding issues. Coaches don't want to stay because, you know, Chile is going to cut funds the 15s program and then you know coaches walk and then they're like they tell the next coach hey we're gonna give you a lot of money so um yeah us is gonna walk away with this pretty handily but it is also the first game out of the shoot so it's gonna be interesting yeah so it's really gonna depend on me for who the starting 23 are um and until they're named it's hard to kind of get a gauge on how this game is exactly going to go, but I'm going to follow Aaron's lead. I'm going to say minus 21 in favor of the USA, uh, Chile, you know, and as well as all of uh, South America, they definitely have a lot of up and coming clubs, especially at the national level. But uh, unfortunately they're just not there yet, especially with the ascending USA. So like I said, USA minus 21. Sorry right, guys. Sorry about that. That was me. That was all me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Chile either, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, just say USA by 20 on this one. So we'll see what happens. Uh, well, I mean, I won't see what happens because I can't afford flow, so I guess I'll read about what happens later. Apparently it's on – so if you're on the East Coast, this is okay because the times aren't horrible, but if you're not on the East Coast, 
the times are trash. Uh, the, the ESPN will be airing these games on delay, like 5 a.m. on Sunday. I think one of I think two of them are two of the USA games are on delay at like 3 a.m. on ESPN News on Eastern Time. Yeah, we're in, yeah. Um, so yeah. Flow Rugby is your go-to official source. Um, and if I know people, a lot of people protest that deal, and uh, they go to the black box. Uh, what I don't understand about this whole thing is ESPN owns the entire rights to the ARC. But Flow Rugby apparently has purchased the rights to the other two games on the weekend, but they aren't showing the whole thing live. They're only showing the USA games live. So I, that kind of annoys me. Um, I wish they'd release those rights and give them back to ESPN because then we can watch those games. But uh, I think Liam and I are both working this weekend, so maybe never mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, and, uh, you know, pr once again proving that uh, I'm not sure Flo really cares about uh, rugby fans in the U.S. They care I, about if, their if, contract, if, their precious, precious contract. If you got – if they open it up for free, um, I'm, you know, we can, we can do that. So. <laughs> All right. Hey, it is time, guys, for my favorite section of the show. It is time for questions from Bob. Bob. So this is something we do every single week, as often as we can anyway. Uh, we collect questions from over on the Reddit page. Uh, the Reddit page for Major League Rugby is RMLRugby. And I'm happy to announce that we are quickly approaching uh, the 3,000 mark in subscribers. So uh, hit that subscribe button, guys, and uh, sign up for great conversations. We have just been flooded, absolutely flooded with not only questions for Bob, but also just stats and information and rumors. Uh, yeah, that's where we get a lot of the stuff we talk about on the show. So definitely go check out RML Rugby on Reddit. So on to questions. Uh, first up, SD Yeti wants to know, any actual attendance numbers available for the four matches this weekend? Well, you missed the first question. Or did I? Oh, yeah. Okay. I scrolled past it. <laughs> um, to, to Aging Hooker, your views on whether the ref lost control in Seattle versus Glendale match. Uh, if you rewind back to the start of the Seawolves segment, um, you'll know my opinion. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, there was definitely a lot of instances in which that ref could have set the example that he just failed to. So there's my opinion. Um, now, to attendance numbers from SD Yeti. Yes, I do. Um, 1,604 uh, for Austin versus Houston at Dell Diamond. Uh, and also an addendum to that question because you asked the second question. So Austin has gone from 50 season tickets sold to 400 season tickets sold uh, this year. So that's a big change. Um, now, uh, the other matches, New Orleans had 1,500. Uh, the figure that I've been able to find for San Diego was 2,000, but I have to say that crowd looked a lot better, yet uh, it's still better than the first game last year. And Seattle really isn't going to get any better uh, when it comes to this, and that's partially the – they're limited by capacity right now. Uh, they did add 100 extra – permanent seats so they've sold the the number i have is 
there were 3,600 people there. I don't know what the standing room only uh, tickets were who walked in the gate. So we're going to, I'm going to say it was around 3,800 uh, last year. So the, when, what they maxed out at, so 300, they had about 300 standing room only tickets. So let's say, you know, give or take 3,750 probably, but they're still stuck. They're, they're hamstrung by their capacity. So they can't really grow unless Starfire Sports decides to yank out the, the stand on the, on the bench side and put in, you know, something better. I think it's uh, very soon they're going to have to have that conversation or they're going to move. So we'll see. But uh, as far as on the aggregate, uh, other than the Seawolves, everyone is up. The Seawolves couldn't go anywhere but up, but down. Oh, not, not. The Seawolves couldn't go anywhere in week one but down. So they have stayed the same which is what you want to see. Um, but everyone else, uh, Austin, from the first game last year, if you, if, you, if you compared them this game versus their average last year, uh, they had a 60% increase from the average, but 120% increase from their first game last year. And uh, NOLA is about, 50, about 40% better than their first game last season. So... And do we have any information? Uh, so that was so Austin for ticket holder season ticket holders. So Jeff says that was two thousand. So Jeff says that SD has sold two thousand season tickets. So it was more than two thousand people. You think it? Does Jeff? Do you think it was like three thousand people? Well, I mean, does that two thousand apply? to you know group packages as well like like is it just or just does individual i think i th i think that's like butts and seats is like what the season total season tickets they've sold which actually if you looked at that broadcast that's it looked like there was about 2500 people there so still got to work on getting non-season holders in there but it, it it was much better than their first game their first game was not over 2,000, and the homestand, when it finally filled in on the north side of Torero, it was full. There were, I, I think, you know, when you watch those broadcasts when they panned to the VIP side, which is the south stand, there weren't that many people last year, but at least I saw like 50 to 100 people this year in the VIP side. And then the, the east stand, which is where you can now drink beer. If you used to only drink in the beer garden, but you, if you drink – beer you can sit in the east stand in the east trizome so all right thank you jeff closer to three thousand is what i thought we what i thought i saw so there you go which is a great improvement from san diego's week one attendance from their first home game so we've come a long way <laughs> come a long way baby all right say knee is asking has there been any announcements as to when TMO will be added to MLR? So I don't know. I know that there are four TMOs that have been assigned to the slate. There were no TMO games this weekend. Yeah, and, um, not, not too sure on the information in that regard. So thank you, Aaron. <laughs> and just for um, those... I got not, my information from Brian Ray. So there you mm -hmm. go. Um, and TMO is the uh video uh 
officiating. So it's like uh, a, it's like a, instant replay. It's like replay in college, not replay in the NFL. That makes television sense. monitor official. Yeah, there thank you. you. Uh, so just for everybody's information. Okay, Bob B. Bubberson, one of our favorites and namesake of this segment, wants to know. Will we continue to see this level of parity in the games, or was this just a slate of well-paired matches? I think um, this was definitely a well-paired slate of matches, um, and hopefully, you know, every team has got has gotten better in some aspect uh, since the off season. You know, especially with the coaches uh, all being allowed to continue to year two. But at the same time, injuries are eventually going to be a factor. People are going to get a lot more game film on the new systems being run by each team. So I think, yeah, we're going to see a few blowouts this season. But I also think we're going to see a lot more, a lot higher quality on average uh, throughout the league this year. Uh, parity, I think it, there's going to be a lot of parity. But uh, I think we know who the top two teams in the league are. And I think they're, they're only Do going we? to get better. Oh, yeah, we do. Did you you watch that match? That was insane. I know, I know, but just like I just don't know how I, I, I just don't know how they're going to pair against Rooney or if Toronto's ever going to hit their stride. You know, it, it, it's I think I think the you know everyone I think everyone got better. It's a question of how much better everyone else got because you know same you know Seattle and Glendale were in the final and then they put on the highest quality match of the weekend, but. They got to play everyone else. That's why we play a sport. So we really don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of parity, but I think there are going to be some blowouts because it's rugby. And as Alan Yarday says, I don't like to give up the ball because in 15s, you never have to give up the ball. You can just continuously score. So that means not committing errors, not committing penalties, and you can just continuously score. So if one team is going to – one team is going to be able to have a perfect game and they're going to score 70 points and the other team is just going to be flat. That's just, it's going to happen because this is rugby. It happens, you know, it happens in the premiership, happens in the pro 14, happens in super rugby. All right. Uh, Downey Keene wants to know any word on a Dallas team next year? Um, yes, so there is, but I know nothing. I, I, I know that the money has been put down. People have been talking about it in league circles. I don't know who's on the roster. I don't know who's coaching. Okay, so um, maybe movement, but nothing that we can officially confirm. Uh, USA Rugby fan wants to know, would an all-star team of MLR compete with a Pro 14 or Premiership team? No. Bottom of You mean a bottom of the table team? <laughs> yes, the, the the team that he gave us, Sale, Sale Sharks. Like, they're fourth or third on the table in the premiership. I think that they would still beat that MLR All-Star team, like, 50 to 0. Like, they are dirty. Not, not to say that we don't have talented players, you know, but it just it's just a matter of minutes. It's a matter of system. It's, Yeah. No, it's 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 no no it's no insult to our players. It's just you know where we're at realistically. Now that being said, it will be interesting to see what happens when we have the A sides, um, the Pro 14 A sides coming over to play uh, Free Jacks in some exhibition matches. Yeah, but the free most of the Free Jacks won't be contracted, and they won't be practicing. They're like they're pra like they've got a lot of guys in. 
that are competing for contracts next season. Um, but at the end of the day, most of those guys are still working day jobs. Well, so, there, has, there, there has been ink put to paper in terms of some of the players. Um, I have a few a few friends on the team who a, have a futures signed, a futures contract futures contract I guess yeah so um. <laughs> all right uh, the Benjamin Rush wants to know this came off Twitter is it too early to buy Nola playoff tickets um you, there, you know there's you know there's those websites that you can buy Super Bowl tickets or World Series tickets for your team at like a cheap rate. Uh, you know, wouldn't based on a one game sample, it wouldn't be a bad bet. I, I would say it's probably better to be fashionably late in this in this situation than it is to be <laughs> uh, way too early. Um, not to say that Nola, you know, can't do it. They absolutely have the pieces to make a playoff run. But again, you know, one game in, there hasn't been any significant injuries yet. There hasn't been a whole lot of game film for these teams to prepare for one another. Uh, you know, other than from last year, where there was different players, different systems. Um, yeah, I, I would say wait, maybe wait three or four more weeks. It's all good. Uh, last question of the night comes from friend of the show, uh, Gordon Hanlon, and I think he's got a little bit of his tongue in his cheek here. <laughs> he wants to know, how big was the thank you basket given to the refs for the Houston-Austin game? Come on, Gordon. <laughs> Come on, Gordon, man. We won that game fair and square. If, if yo, if no, I'm honestly not even gonna be arguing. I could go into this all night right now. I'm a freaking Pats fan. You think I don't know how to argue when people accuse my team? <laughs> you, you heard it here first. Houston's been deflating their balls. <laughs> I don't. Hey, hey, I, I, I've not seen anything on PSI required. In, in rugby balls, okay. there there is there there is it there required PSI. I was I can't remember exactly what it is. I need to I need I'm, to look it up because I always pump it like because yeah. because rugby balls are not like football like pigskin because there's an internal bladder so you just pump it until it's like hard. And yeah. Whereas like football, you can kind of like squeeze it and it, <laughs> like because if you if you're able to squeeze a rugby ball, it's it's too flat. It's just not going to pass well, and it's not going to kick well. It, it's funny when uh, for for the Houston SaberCats first exhibition game against the Elite, I I was I I actually was the one who pumped up all the Houston SaberCat provided balls, and Sam Windsor walked in and saw me doing this activity and proceeded to inspect my balls, being all, "Yep, too too soft. This one's good. Too soft. This okay, one's good. so oh, so <laughs> so Gilbert requires Gilbert balls." require 10 psi there you go that's that's a lot but we're, we're using ram rugby balls aren't we oh yeah well that probably means 12 yeah yes. and kickers allegedly hate these balls uh from the things i have heard uh, well i i think they hated it last year unless well whoever the new like michael romera probably hates it because uh he's new he's a new kicker i think everyone's kind of used to it at this point, except the new guys, but they do kick weird because Gilbert has this international patent on uh, like balance of a rugby ball. It's it's weird. I mean, I, Adidas because here's the thing. So like, someone did the numbers on Bowden Barrett. So Adidas is the All Black sponsor. Guess which ball he kicks better with? Gilbert. So there you go. 
Gilbert. Gilbert. All right. This thing's uh, getting a little too deep for my taste. So I'm thinking yeah, we go ahead and just shift to final thoughts and go on home. What you guys got for me? Um, if you can, try to watch the Eagles this weekend. It is also the first week of the Six Nations as our friends. Well, I guess not really our friends because we're sort of fans of them. Um, the Egg Chasers. Uh, it is the most rugbyest time of the year. Six Nations, ARC, MLR. It's hot. And hey, uh, the Super sounds Bowl. like a song. Yeah, Super Bowl's on this weekend, baby. Go Patriots. I don't give a darn what any of you have to say about the refs. This is going to be a great Super Bowl. Jared Goff is not going to be able to handle this. The Rams defense is not going to have an answer for Sony Michelle or, or James White. Uh, oh, yeah, and watch the Eagles if you can and watch MLR. That's always good, too. <laughs> That's always good, yep. Alrighty, guys. Well, uh, just a few notes on our way out. Uh, as always, please know that the opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and the guests, you know, when we have guests, and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Madigan-Fried is employed by West Houston Lions and the Houston Sabercats. All right, got all that legalese out of the way, so be sure to tune in next week. We'll be live on YouTube, as we are every Monday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, available uh, on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday morning. If you like what, you, what we do, please subscribe to us on YouTube and on iTunes. Uh, give us a star review. That helps folks find us. And uh, as always, please feel free to share your news, views, and abuse for us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can always email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you guys so much for listening, and go watch some rugby. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.